Chiefs podcast series. I'm Tom Jenkins, uh, one of the co-hosts, and I'm joined by my friend and colleague Sheldon Gilbert as well. Good morning, Tom, and good morning. It's good and an honor to be here and looking forward to today's topic to talk about how we can pursue that fire chief's job. Well, certainly uh, a lot of our IEFC members, um, you know, a lot of times that people join the IEFC, they're brand new uh, chiefs or they're chief officers who want to try to attain uh, more bugles. And so today we'll be talking about the gold standard and how you prepare to become the fire chief. And we could not be more fortunate to have two rock stars in our profession join us today. We have uh, Chief Tricia Wolford of the Anandro County, Maryland. She uh, is in the fire department and she was recently appointed just a few months months ago. Um, she's an alumni of that department, but she's also served as the assistant or deputy chief both in Spokane and Bozeman, uh, Montana. So uh, a plethora of experience and work history. And then we also have uh, Mary Beth Micas, who was the fire chief in Prince William County, Virginia. But today, a lot of our IESC members know her as the uh, director of the Fire Service Executive Development Institute, or FESD program. And so uh, a wonderful program that's done a lot. And that's actually where I want to kick off this morning is with uh, Chief Micas because I think that uh, FESD does a lot for uh, the fire service, and that was uh, certainly an innovative program when it began. And Mary Beth, I was, I was really hoping that, for, especially for our listeners who aren't real familiar with FESD, who may not know anybody, can you talk to us about where it came from and what really the objectives are of that Fire Service Executive Development Institute? Oh, I'd be honored to. The FESI program has been around since 2013, and it really was the brainchild of Mark Light, who's the Executive Director CEO of the International Association of Fire Chiefs. And back then, Mark and a lot of the leadership within the IFC realized that um, the average tenure for chiefs, especially in any sizable department, was only three to five years. And every day when you would read some of the news uh, reports that would come around, you'd hear about fire chiefs losing their jobs because of lack of political acumen, poor decision-making, and ethical breaches. And in most cases, these individuals were individuals who had their bachelor's, master's degree, were, were uh, certified as fire officers, very skillful, successful people. But yet there was this lack of stability in the leadership of our fire departments. And also we didn't see young and incoming fire chiefs uh, become part of the national scene, taking over leadership in that area. So this program was put together to try and fill that void to um, help people who were aspiring to be five bugle or department head fire chiefs and brand new fire chiefs to provide them with the tools so that they could have long, successful tenures. So at that point, uh, a program was developed and we submitted a grant to Motorola Solutions Foundation and they have been funding the program since 2013. They've been very generous with their support of the program. And what the program has turned out to be, it's a a year-long small group experience 
once every year we apply for the grant and once we hear that we've been successful in uh, getting the grant from Motorola Foundation we do advertise it there uh, via all the fire service social media on the IFC website and we have online uh, application process and we try and reach out to all the affinity groups all the fire chief groups to encourage them to get brand new chiefs and the people who are in a lot of departments are part of the succession plan to apply for the program and out of those applications and we usually get between 100 to 120 a year 20 are accepted uh, into the program and these are individuals representing all the divisions within the IFC both large and small departments uh, combination and all career departments um, into the program. The program consists of three on-site sessions which are held in Northern Virginia at a conference center. The first session is six days long and the subsequent sessions are four days long. And once we have the, uh, the people in the program on-site, we work them both day and night. I think they get one free evening each, each of the times they get together. Um, and it's it's different from most academic programs in that we bring in people who have who are recognized leaders in the fire service who have years of experience who have experienced some very unique situations to uh, lead the groups in conversations on different areas of the fire service uh, but the first week is really spent on their own personal professional development we review things like personal values uh, personal mission statements, putting together a personal professional strategic plan, all the things that we want to have in a department, we feel that it's necessary. They're going to be successful leaders that they have to identify for themselves personally. So um, the, after the first session, then we meet two more times uh, at six-month intervals, and the group is also required to attend Fire Rescue International and a conference and at the conference we only meet uh, for class at one time but they have an assignment to go out and to network and to meet the people who are the current leaders in the fire service and um, to gain as much new information and knowledge as they can and, and to bring back to their departments and many of them haven't been exposed to the conference before and personally I feel that it is really a, a fantastic professional development growth experience for anybody who wants to achieve a chief officer or chief's position within a fire service. So I believe they, that I, I, I know uh, I've, had, I've had more than a handful of people, uh, David Pennington, Jeremy Moore, who have talked about how, how fantastic it is. Has, has the structure evolved at all over the years as, as you've had it implemented? The structure itself, as far as the, the on-site, them coming together three times a year and, and coming to FRI, hasn't changed. But the course content has changed. We try and stay very current. And, and that's one thing that really um, is different with this program than a lot of the programs like the EFO program and some of the other leadership programs, is we try and keep it flexible so that we can address current and emerging issues and really stay on top of the changes that are, are happening in the fire service. We also take into account the needs of the group. Uh, which areas are they lacking or do they feel that they need more professional development? 
And after the first session, then we can modify and change the, the subsequent sessions to meet their needs. And once an individual finishes the year-long program, they're not just let go on their own. They're always part of the FESD program. We have what we call an alumni and the alumni does get together every year at Fire Rescue International so that the uh, graduates of the program can get together and meet the new folks. And uh, because of the changes in the curriculum, I'm going to start sending uh, every session's agenda out to the whole group of people that have gone through the program. So if there's a day-long program that their class didn't have, uh, graduates of the program are welcome to come back to and attend with the current class to kind of get up on that subject area because we have found, um, again, working with the individuals, new things that, that they need to be successful, new things that they need to even get the job as a chief. Now, we've the program's really proven itself to be very successful. About a third of people who have gone through as chief officers have become chiefs. Matter of fact, I'm at the Metro Conference, right, Metro Chiefs Conference right now, and there are 12 Metro Chiefs that have come through FESD and then secured their jobs as, as fire chiefs of the Metro Department. Wow. Um, in addition to preparing chiefs to be successful in their tenure, uh, we also focus on trying to get them involved on a national basis because these are, are really going to be the uh, and are the movers and shakers in the fire service. These are people who are going to lead us into the next uh, decade so that we get them involved. And if you look at the membership roles of the committees within the IFC and on the task force, probably half of them and some probably even more are made up of, of members who have gone through this program. Matter of fact, Chief Wolford is um, a chairman of one of our committees. So th they're on the program for different conferences and for Fire Rescue International. You see them writing articles and appearing um, in leadership roles within their state organizations too. So it, we are accomplishing a lot of the goals that we've set out to uh, to accomplish when we develop this program. So as long as we can obtain the funding, we will continue with the program, continuing keeping it flexible and, and meeting the needs of the people who come into the program. We're also looking at applying, uh, working with some higher institutions of higher learning to get college credits, and some of them that have looked at it feel that we'll eventually be able to get either credits at the master's or even doctorate level for the program that they've been going through. So that, um, again, I think that the program has been successful and will constantly be working at keeping it uh, kind of foremost on issues and, and what, chief, what aspiring chiefs need. I've talked a lot. Do you all have questions? Chief, that, this is Sheldon. That, that's great stuff. What an amazing program, and, and the outcomes and the success rates are, are beyond dispute. Um, so I, I, we, we will probably have some questions here as we move on through the, through the podcast, but I wanted to take a minute and, and ask Chief Wolford to, to jump in. Uh, Chief, you have a very interesting and diverse background that, that took you from uh, working in, in the metro uh, uh, where you're at now as fire chief, um, 
at Anne Arundel, and then uh, you went to Bozeman, uh, a small to medium-sized department as a deputy chief, and then Spokane as kind of a, a baby metro department, and then and now you're back as fire chief of that uh, that very uh, dynamic department you're in now in, in Anne Arundel County. So I was hoping you could share. I mean, I used to always get a kick when I was fire chief. Um, I would I would ask, you know, what are your career goals early on in their career? And a lot of times they'd say, you know, captain, firefighter. Sometimes they'd say fire chief. And while I got a kick out of that, it's like, you know, I think that's that's an important perspective. If you someday want to be a fire chief, it really does start at the beginning. So can you share a little bit about your experiences along the way? What was most challenging and maybe what was unexpected as you've you've made your journey to the to the position of fire chief of a large county fire department? Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. Um, I am a product of the FESD program, and I think that's been um, one of the very important key aspects to my success. Um, so, the you know, you mentioned, you know, when you start your career, you know, do you, do you want to be a fire chief? Is your goal to be a captain? Um, well, you know, when I started, I thought this is fantastic. My, my goal is to, to ride this engine or this truck as long as I possibly can. Um, cause it just made you smile every day. And, and then you really start to understand the fire service and the fire department that you work for. And you go, Hmm, I, I bet I could be a little bit better if I did this. And then you realize to do this, you need to promote. And, and I think that's every step for me, um, how that conversation has gone with myself is, you know, I really want to do more. How do I do more? And for me, the ability to do more was to climb the ladder um, when I left Anne Arundel, I was 10 years into the department. I actually, my last day was my 10 year anniversary and I went out to understand the fire service better and not just the fire department I worked with. And I really thought that was important because I had joined the IAFC. I was starting to do committee work and I was realizing there, there are a lot of differences in the fire service across the nation. Um, internationally, you know, IFC was um, pushing into the international realm a little bit more. And, and I realized I, I think I have to be a better version of myself to, to think about leading any department. Um, I love that you described Spokane as a baby metro because that was my first exposure to a, a metro department. And um, those were all amazing experiences. But when I left here, leaving Anne Arundel, the goal was to make myself better, to come back to get this position. Um, the fact that it worked is is amazing. Um, and then you think, well, no, maybe it's not just amazing and kind of a miracle that there's a lot of hard work that goes with it. Um, and there's a lot of success that if you apply yourself and you get involved, you, you personally get become successful and your organization becomes successful. Um, the FESD program is, uh, is an amazing example of exactly what Chief Michaels described. Uh, what that program was designed to do is exactly what it did for me. Um, the networking that you get is amazing. Those individuals that were in my cohort, I was class five. Um, we called ourselves the Strive for Five because everybody in there was looking for five bugles. And lo and behold, a year after I finished that program, you know, I'm wearing my five bugles on my collar right now. Um, we, the group still interact. You know, we, we meet up at FRI. Um, we do large group dinners. They are my first and my foremost confidants that I call and say, 
uh, hey, how, how come nobody told me being a fire chief is this? Or um, maybe you forgot to tell me this element. You know, you, you feel ready in many ways, but um, there are many things that you just, you have to learn on the fly. You, you have to be willing to absorb. Um, I have said that, <clears throat> excuse me, for those that go through EFO or um, go through managing officer or whatever their coursework is, um, FESD is, is what takes care of the heart and soul of a fire chief. Um, it's what eases the mind when you try to go to bed at night. EFO is phenomenal for, you know, the, the brain and, and the schooling and the professional development in that aspect. But until FESD came along, there wasn't really much that was helping to, to mentor our soul, to, to help gauge us in making good decisions. Um, so the value of that has been pretty incredible. Um, you mentioned, you know, my journey and, and how I ended up in this position. There were, there were a, a few key aspects that, um, that I try and share. And one of those is being prepared to say yes. Um, you know, saying yes to, yes, I can be on that committee or yes, I'm ready to go to EFO or, you know, whatever those yeses are. That was something I learned very early in my career, you know, to work really hard to not say no for yourself and for your department. Um, and if you have to say no, understand why you're saying it, but do as much as you can early and often. For me, this is my 13th year in the fire service. Um, and it, again, it goes along with the mission of FESB. You know, I, I don't want to be a three or five, five year fire chief. Um, I'm 40 years old, you know, I want to be a 10 or 15 year fire chief and maybe it can't always be with this organization, but um, I hope it can be for the benefit of the fire service in general. Yeah, those, those are great points, Chief. And, and, I, and I think that you've, you've hit on some key areas when it comes to receiving kind of the, the formal education from a FESD or an EFO program and, and, and being able to, like you said, to work the heart and soul of a fire chief into who you are. Um, being a fire chief is a very, it's a difficult position, and it, 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 you're being a, being a CEO of a large organization that's very complex, but yet you're doing it in, in, a, in a governmental public policy environment. And how did you prepare, what kind of tools did you have available to help you with the, the political acumen and the skills and experience? Obviously, you're a dynamic public speaker and communicator. Uh, how, where did you get some of those intangible skills that really help you move into that position of leadership as a, as a fire chief in, in the public policy realm? I think first and foremost, I received really good advice um, when I was leaving here. I had some incredible mentors when I was leaving Anne Arundel because um, I was taking a big step into a deputy chief position. Um, even though a smaller department, it, it's still a big step. Um, and probably the most important thing that this mentor told me was, you know, you have to remember just as you were saying that you're, you're going to run uh, a corporation, but for the most part, you're probably going to be running what's more considered an, an emotional-based corporation because there's so much tradition and culture with the fire service that it's really hard in our line of work for our members, you know, our employees, if you're looking at it as a corporation, um, to remove emotion from what we do and, and how we live our life in conjunction with our careers. Um, and they said, remember your position as the executive officer leading that, that um, it always has to be sport and not war. Um, and with the understanding of, you know, 
firefighters are competitive by nature. You know, if you're in a sport mentality, you're a team player, you know, there's a coach, you have something to contribute, whether you're in the game or on the sidelines. Um, it's okay if you win or lose, because at the end of the game, you're going to shake hands and um, you're going to prepare yourself and train harder for the next game to be the winner. Um, if your mind shifts from the business of sport to the business of war, then everything is a negative. Everything is about gaining ground, whether it's good or bad. Um, everything is about winning a battle or losing. Um, it comes from a negative position. Uh, so, you know, they told me every day you go to work, you know, you're an athlete. I was a college athlete. You're an athlete. Think of that level of competition and what that felt in your heart. Um, and don't think of it as I'm going to battle. You know, I wonder who's going to die on the field and who's going to come back home. That's, it's probably the best frame of mind for making some of the larger decisions that we make. Um, and as fire chief, most of our time is outward facing, meaning politically and community minded. Um, but we have to remember that we're kind of this 360 revolving. So if you stay outward facing, then your department thinks you have turned their back on them, literally and figuratively. Um, if you can continue to slowly rotate yourself to not make everyone dizzy, but do it slow enough that they never feel that their back is, you know, your back is to them. Um, nor should your back ever feel like it's to the community or to your political allies. So that kind of slow 360 rotation in conjunction with sport and war was probably some of the best advice I received. Excellent. Well, one thing's for sure, you're, a, you're, you're an excellent fruit of the FESD program, and um, I have no doubt, Mary Beth, that FESD's not only going to continue to produce chiefs, uh, like Chief Wolfer, but it's going to extend that that career that the three to five years that Mark Light identified as kind of being problematic and just not long enough. I, I bet we see that extended over time, and, and certainly we're forever grateful to Motorola and the Motorola Solutions Foundation for help making such credible leaders out there. I like that. We should have named our podcast, Sheldon, The Stride for Five. That was much better than <laughs> any of the naming we've come up with. So I've stolen there you that. Go. We'll, I agree. <laughs> we'll reboot that later. Um, so uh, something that I, I know I'm curious about, and I suspect a lot of our demographic in the IEFC also is curious about, is is having both um, both of you, Mary Beth and Tricia, talk to us about the challenges, the unique challenges that you may or may not have experienced as women moving up through the ranks and preparing yourselves uh, to be chief officers. Mary Beth, can you start us out and share with us some some of your observations having such a wonderful career? Well, I came on at a time where I I was the first in a lot of things. And um, I, I guess that being the first and oftentimes the only uh, woman presented some unique situations. But I found that by establishing relationships with the people I worked with, letting them get to know me and me get to know and understand them, that it really helped me be more successful on a personal basis in uh, in my various roles within the fire service, uh, Trish mentioned mentoring, and I, and that's an important component of the FESTI program: mentoring and and coaching. And I have to give credit to people like uh, Chief Warren Isman, who was my uh, chief for a number of years, and that he really provided me with some valuable advice along the way. Um, Lamont Yule, who we 
actually utilized in the FESB program was also another person who taught me the value of establishing really strong relationships with people. And um, in the FESB program, we talk about one of the terms that people say a lot is it's all about relationships. And sometimes that's, that's very true. And even if you look at Chief Wolford's career, um, she had some very strong relationships that she has just held on to and has valued from over the years. So I think when we, uh, while we're developing the tasks and the skills that we need to run a, a fire department, we have to remember the soft skills. And I think that's uh, been mentioned several times in the relationships, the relationships with the people within the department, the relationships with our peers. Um, I can't overemphasize that uh, when you go into a job, especially once you're a chief officer or the fire chief, the uh, having a good relationship with your boss, being able to communicate well so that you, you have a clear understanding of everyone's expectations. And then, um, a very important relationship that I see a lot of fire chiefs sometimes forget about is their relationship with the community, with being out there in the community, talking to the community, letting them know what's happening in the fire service because we need their support, especially when there's times of a tight economical times. We need that community support to get the resources that, that we need. Um, another thing that we do within the, the FESD program, but people can do even not part of the FESD program, is to reach out and get people to help you prepare for processes to become the fire chief. Uh, we go through this a lot within the classes, but also when people tell us that they're applying for various fire chief jobs, we have people who have served for faculty who will review their resumes. Uh, we will do mock interviews for them so that they're comfortable when they finally go for those interviews. And, and we teach them a lot about what kind of job do you really want to look for? Where, what, where do you want to be a chief? What size department? Uh, what part of the country? Because picking the right department is important to success just as being prepared for the chief's role. So there, there's a lot of things along that line that people have to think about when they want to be a chief. And I would advise everybody to reach out and to find a mentor, in addition to finding a mentor, to help them reach down and be a mentor to other people. Because as a mentor to others, you learn a lot about yourself and you grow professionally. No, that's great advice, Mary Beth. I think uh, we could do an entire podcast just having you share <laughs> advice. Um, I've written down several things that, uh, that you shared today, so thank you for the response to that. Tricia, would, would, I'd be interested to hear your comments. As, uh, as With 13 years in the job and now at the Reigns in Ann Arundel County, uh, any, any unique challenges that you've experienced as a woman? Well, I, uh, you know, what's interesting is that that is a normal question um, that I get. And, um, you know, those questions that are very specific to being a woman in the fire service, um, my brain always flashes a, a little flash of Mary Beth and, <laughs> and the other women leaders that I know because, um, because they've been there and they, they did it. And, um, they made it easier for the rest of us to do it in, in whatever realm that means. Um, Cause everybody still has their unique challenges. You know, I can say there's, you know, maybe there's instances that, um, you know, I got into a process because they wanted diversity in a process. Um, and maybe that was my in 
was being a woman in the fire service. Um, but I know I worked very hard that when I got in that process, I was going to make sure that I either surprised them that I was prepared and ready um, or that I made them go, Oh, Oh, well, look at that. Um, you know, I could always back it up. And, and I think that's as an individual, you have to decide, you know, how, how much work do you want to put in to make sure that um, you get to a point where your good name just because you're just becomes a good name. Um, it's not, Oh, chief Wolford. Oh, eh, well, yeah, pretty good, but you know, good for a woman or, you know, whatever that conversation is, it's just, hopefully it turns into good. Great. Yeah. Whatever, whatever, uh, whatever it takes to get the job done. Um, I, I have a, a, again, I've had some amazing mentors. Um, and you know, they've said to me, you know, a naysayer will always be a naysayer. You know, it's, you, you can't get locked into, is it about being a man or a woman? A lot of times they're just naysayers um, and everybody's here to do a job. So we all just try to do it in the most effective way possible. Um, I look at the women chiefs that came before me and how grateful I am um, that they have paved the road. But then I say it's the incredible men that have been mentors and leaders for me. Those are the men that keep the road flat. Um, the women paved it. And they laid it out, and then the men are there to make sure it doesn't get too bumpy. Um, and at some point, which I think I'm to that point in my career, um, that all comes into this very equal side-by-side. -side. Um, one of the things that was uh, an eye-opening experience for me as a fire chief is the fire chief world of five bugles just has this common understanding that you wear the weight of those five bugles, and we're all there to support each other. Um, I would say at this rank is where I feel the least amount of that scrutiny of male versus female. Um, and that's probably attributed to all the work we've done um, to, to reach a very diverse dynamic group of leaders. Um, and maybe that's the, some of the work that we're starting to feel at a Metro chief level, um, that everybody just seems to be happy that people are willing to take these positions um, and shine a positive light, or light on the fire chief job. There were definitely points in my career where I never heard a fire chief say, this is fantastic, I love my job. Everybody's going, oh man, don't do it. You know, don't take the promotion, you don't want it. And I'm thinking, <laughs> well, how are we ever gonna advance this profession if we as four and five bugle wearers are telling others subliminally, oh man, it's a lot of work, you're gonna be exhausted. I, I feel like we're turning the corner and, and the conversation for me has been, this is amazing. I'm in a position I can actually make change and, you know, show my members that this is an incredible career and they can come to work and be happy. So um, Chief Mike was touched on the relationships, 100% key, uh, key to everything we do. Um, and I do hold on to those relationships, but I also take personal ownership of those relationships are mine to build and mine to maintain. That's nobody else's responsibility, but mine. Um, and with that, make sure that, you know, I'm having the conversation and I'm mending those relationships when I don't need something, you know, we, I don't want to call Chief Jenkins and say, Hey, Oh, by the way, I need blah, blah, blah. When I'm never calling you to say, Hey, just checking in. How's your day doing? Any, anything I can do for you. Um, and I think that just has to be part of our day. Fesby taught me that if it's not on your calendar, it's not important. Um, and the things on my calendar are 
my personal time along with my meetings um, and little reminders to say, hey, you know, check in on my fire chief buddy, Rich Thode in Bridgeport. Make sure he's doing okay because, you know, last time we talked, he was having a little rough go around and he's one of my FESB cohorts. So, you know, it's important to do that. So keeping relationships uh, positive um, when it's not that you need something to me has always been very important. That's great. I'd just great like perspective, to add Chief. a few things. Uh, I'd like to add a few things if we just have another few minutes um, that I've thought of here, and especially in regards to women. Women are still are being challenged, especially if a department is very new and taking on diversity in women. And I just caution them uh, not to take everything personally. That I often, would agree. That oftentimes, people just have to. We have to communicate with them our own needs and how they're uh, how we're perceiving they're working with us and how they can work better with us and also ask them how we can be more part a better part of their team and things don't happen to us just because we're women whether that be good or bad um, I know a lot of women take it personally if they don't have if they have a training request turned down or if they don't get a promotion I think we have to always stop and reflect what what has happened and why it happened so that um there were some people when i first started who didn't like me and i i thought oh they don't like me because i'm a woman and i soon learned they wouldn't have liked me if i was a man it's just we had we were different personalities and so we never struck it up as friends and so you can't blame everything that goes awry on the fact that you're different um, you have to really look at the cause and then um, have confidence in yourself. We each get to where we are because we worked hard, we've gotten the education, we've stuck it out. And oftentimes I've seen women pass up opportunities to go for promotions, to take the exams. Um, I've seen this in, in the two departments that I worked in, and I would just advise them to go for it. Um, if there's some opportunity open, and Trish said that, learn to say yes. Um, don't pass any up any opportunities to take exams, to go for promotions, to take new assignments, because that's how you're going to grow as a, as a professional. Those are great. Uh, that's great insight, Chief. Thank you so much for sharing that, both of you. That's a tremendous amount of knowledge and insight that I think can help all those who are preparing and wanting to move forward. And so one of the things we'd like to do as we kind of close down this, this edition of the podcast is we'd like to have a couple takeaways. And so if I'm at that eight or 10 year mark in my career and I may be a company officer, I may be a battalion chief, but I'm thinking, you know, this fire chief job might be for me. What are the two or three things briefly you think that I and we can do that can help us best start that journey well and put us on the right trajectory so that we can be as successful as possible. And uh, I'd like to hear from both of you on that. We'll start with Chief Wilford. I think first and foremost um, is the, the being prepared. And, and I'm speaking from a, a resume sense. If, if there's a class you, you think you're going to need, that, that means you need it. You, you should be in that class. You know, if, if your department says, well, you don't need fire officer four until you're a battalion chief, uh, as a new firefighter, start taking your fire officer series and get it done. Um, it just adds to your portfolio and puts you a, a step ahead in every promotional process. Um, 
if you're your second year on the job and you go, eh, I'm not going to need a master's degree, maybe if I ever wanted to be fire chief, if anything in your brain says the maybe or it crosses your brain, do your firefighters start working on your master's. Do not wait. Um, and, and don't wait in the sense of, um, you know, if you say to yourself, I'm never, I'm never going to the fire marshal's office, I would never think about doing that. That, that doesn't mean you shouldn't take inspector classes and plans review classes. The, the diversity of the resume and those experiences are, are what's going to get you the opportunity to say yes more often. Um, and for those, my second point would be for those executive officers that know they do want to make the jump, um, the sport not war conversation tied into the politics and the budget. Um, unless you get assigned to those areas of budget in your department, it can be very complicated to learn different models of budgets and finances. Um, seek that out and seek it out early so you just start getting used to, to reading and looking at those numbers. Um, the last little bit that goes with that is no matter how big or small your local newspaper is, get it every day, get it delivered to your front door, to your office, and make it a point to scan and look through that. Um, as, a, as a director, a fire chief is a director in my organization, um, in my community, I should be highly aware of what other directors are doing and, and what are their purpose, what, what are their, their goals and um, their media worthy items, you know, uh, waste management, public works, not just the police chief, um, as a public facing community figure, uh, you will be expected to know, you know, what's going on in animal control and, and what's going on in the EOC and what's going on with the Department of Aging. Those types of on the fly information uh, are crucial to how people view you as the CEO of your organization. So those would be my big follow ups. Those are great, great points. Chief Mikos, what do you think are the two most well, important things I should there, be appreciate? They're, they're along the same lines. I, I put three things, educate, involvement, and it's all and, and take care of people. In education, you have to have the academic credentials. Just I'd advise people, if you want to be a five-bugle chief, start reading the ads that, that different jurisdictions put out for chiefs to see what they're requiring and to see if, if and to plan your professional development along those lines so that when you're ready, you'll have what their jurisdictions are, are calling for in both the academics and the training and certifications. And Trish mentioned reading the paper, but just not only read about your community, read about what's going on in the world because what's happening in society and in, in our world is going to impact the fire service. People, if people were watching and reading what's happening in the world back in 2007, 2008, they would have known that we were facing a big economic crisis all over the, the country and that that was going to impact the fire service, which it really did significantly. Be involved not only in your department and your community, but get involved in, in fire service and professional organizations um, or uh, organizations within your community. I've been a member of Rotary for 25 years, and that's helped me understand my community. And probably the one uh, involvement that helped me the most to get where I, I was as a fire chief was my involvement in the International Association of Fire Chiefs. I joined as a captain, which back when I joined was almost unheard of. But yet meeting the people, 
serving on committees and task forces and being involved in the EMS section, I learned skills that I wasn't picking up in my job. So that, that really helped me prepare. And then we talked a lot about the soul and you have to care for people and you have to show them that you, you care and that caring has to be sincere. And that's going to help you in, in too many ways for me to even go into in the short podcast. But, but be a, you know, we talk about being people persons and that's very important. You have to care for others if you're going to be successful as a CEO. Well, to both of you, you've done a great job helping us I'll share with our listeners what uh, what they can be doing to to strive for five, as Tricia says, but to, to prepare to become a fire chief, to be prepare to you know be a chief officer. And so we appreciate both of you uh, for taking time out of your day to to share with us your observations and your experience. You're both very credible leaders who have a a lot of tenacity and a lot left a lot less uh, or a lot more, excuse me, to to give our profession. So we appreciate you both. This closes out our second podcast today. Um, I want to remind all of our listeners that the next podcast will be talking about how you successfully manage your first 100 days as chief. So uh, we could probably have Tricia back for that one as well, but we'll have some new guests to share with us uh, their experiences and their recommendations for people who find themselves in the hot seat for the first 100 days. Thank you very much for listening. 